Okay, so hi Josh, welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is actually the first Cooler Talks. So Cooler Collective is, is a night that I run and it's all about bringing artists from different backgrounds and different creative mediums together in one room, whether that's live music, spoken word poetry, art. And, and one thing that's always been at, at the core has been building communities, building tribes. The word Kula means tribe in Sanskrit initially, so that's always kind of been in the front of my mind. And I came across your your lovely brand, Somewhere Soul. And for me, it's it's an online community that is thriving right now. It's it's across different platforms. It's It's got many followers, many interactions of people uh, sharing and celebrating independent artists and independent art forms. And you are the mastermind behind it. <laughs> so thank you very much for being the first guest on, on this new podcast series. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So... Can you explain a little bit about what Somewhere Soul is? Let's get right right to it. Sure. Um, to be honest, I think I'm still figuring it out. I've been figuring it out, like, it's been going for, like, six years now, and I think I'm still sort of learning, and it's still sort of naturally taking shape. It started life as a music blog, um, back when music blogs were a bit more of, like, a normal thing. Um, when I first moved to London, and I was sort of putting the sort of, disco house techno because i was dj'd at university so i was listening to like dance music mainly um and then moved to london wasn't djing as often and started listening more to like jazz neo soul um quite a lot of old school hip-hop and i was sharing music with quite a lot of mates and stuff and then one day i just decided i might as well just put this on a website rather than keep sending people links and stuff i didn't really have like a big goal or ambition i was just i'll share this music and it was just at the right at the time where the sort of UK and like London jazz scene was just starting to sort of bubble and simmer, I guess. Um, so I just posted music as often um, as I could. Anytime I heard something new, I'd just share it. Um, was posting that music on Instagram. So I started gaining a bit of an initial following of people who with a shared interest in that sort of music. And then I'm not sure how many years into it it was, but there was a point when I just, I posted on Instagram stories saying how many of you are artists. And it was like over half, which I was like super surprised by. Um, and around that same sort of time, I got asked if I wanted to do A&R for an independent record label called Deep Matter. Um, because they, long story short, they discovered a funk band from Tasmania who they were going to sign. And they he found him through through me and he was like, wouldn't didn't feel right to not bring you in on the deal um so as i started doing a and i learned more about the industry and it was a bit like that like never meet your idols <laughs> type <laughs> situation um and yeah the more i learned the more frustrated i got that there just seemed to be such like a lack of support for independent artists and that was when i sort of pivoted somewhere so to still share new music still plug new music and showcase emerging artists but also to use my knowledge from working in at A&R and from my nine to five in digital marketing to just help share as much sort of value as I could with independent artists about how to navigate things like social media and what to post, when to post, algorithms, all that stuff, which I'm sure they'd rather not deal with, um, but sort of have to. So yeah, I just tried to help out as much as possible. Um, and that's sort of where Somewhere Soul is now. Um, we've now got like a subscription where artists pay like five pounds a month and get access to a monthly industry workshop, a private community. Um, there's like a London gig club. Um, so yeah, 
that's sort of where Summer of Soul is today. Okay. And there's a lot of stuff you said there, and I think it all starts when you started that blog. So was that just something that was purely a hobby, or did you have any skills in in, in blog writing, or was, was, was marketing in the front of your mind at that point? So I had done a bit of music journalism before. I was um, writing, like, reviews for Ear Milk, who were quite a big blog at the time, um, mainly, like, techno and house stuff. And then at uni, where I've been DJing quite a lot, I was involved in, um, by being, like, a resident DJ, I was involved in some of the event stuff. So coming to London was sort of, like, starting from scratch again because, obviously, you lose all your connections. And I think there was a part of me through the blog that was, like, I can start bringing people to my page, my social channels around this music, then that would lend itself nicely to starting events and promoting. Um, so I think that's where my head at was at. I did like the idea of promoting, putting on live events, um, which, yeah, which was one of the first things, I, maybe like a year or two years into the blog, um, I think I put on my first live show. It was, it was yeah, I'd say 50-50. It was partly just just passion, just to share the music. And then secondly... Yeah, I did want to get back into the live events side of things because that's something I enjoyed so much at uni. Yeah. Where did you go to uni? Uh, Nottingham. Okay. Mm. I think a lot of people, they'll come up with an idea, but like, okay, I want to start a night and I'll, and I'll just start promoting. I'll book someone and find a venue and, and go. Whereas you were already building a community through your blogs. Mm. So that was, it's an interesting way of doing it because you had already people on your platform listening to kind of what you had to say and w what you were talking about within the industry. And then you were able to use that as kind of fuel to then start promoting. Yeah. So how, how did the early parties go? Like, I mean, promoting's not easy. <laughs> I think a lot yeah. of people will um, agree with that. It takes a lot of consistency and a lot of hard work and, and thinking outside the box and trying to sell tickets fundamentally. Yeah. Um, so how did that way of doing it work? It was good. I mean, I think through my time in marketing, I've like one of the like cornerstones of marketing is sort of like build the audience first, mm -hmm. um, which I think a lot a lot of people often get wrong. Like you, like I could have just been like, I'm a promoter, and then just like start like try to put events on from day one. But like, if you build an audience first and just whether you're just like sharing value, bringing people to you, that's when you can then say, okay, I've got an audience. This is what I want to do with that audience. So I always knew I wanted to build an audience first and then you then you have options really with, with what you can do. Um, but yeah, the first event went well. It was good. Um, I think it sold out actually. I think it was a sellout. A good um, venue in, I think it's now Signature Brew, but at the time it was called Archspace in Haggerston. Um yeah, I booked an amazing band called Bwerdy, Bwerdy and the Banku Powers, and Stella Taupo on support. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was a great night. It was a really good vibe. Took a lot out of me. <laughs> it's one of those ones. It's when you finish an event the next day, you feel it's a strange feeling, like this all-consuming thing that you've not thought about anything else for like months, and then it's done. It's sort of a strange, strange feeling. Especially the first few, I think. Um, yeah, the more you do it the more i think you kind of just get used to that feeling it's still a rush but you kind of sober up a little bit <laughs> with um with kind of the buzz that you get after an event but that buzz is also really uh, addictive and really nice feeling what what what, what changed are you, are you still doing events now or not what? as not no not really i felt like i hadn't found the perfect venue for it yet and often 
when I was reaching out to venues, they wouldn't be free till dates far off in the future. So I wasn't able to get any sort of real rhythm behind the promoting side of things. And then lockdown happened. Um, so naturally didn't do an event for a long, long time. And then the first event I did back post lockdown was still in that sort of iffy, not lockdown, but kind of lockdown bit. And it was like months of stress. It was a good turnout in the end. But I was just after that one, I was I was like, I'm going to park the event side of things for a bit um, and just focus on the sort of industry marketing education for the artists and try and build the the subscription community because because it's just always been me. And I'm such like a the next shiny thing, you know, like it's the same with the events like oh, I did the live one. It's like oh, I'll do a club night next. Like sometimes I read this book called Essentialism, which is about just like not focusing your en- your energy in like loads of directions, just like focus on a few things. Um, so I try and do that a lot more these days, which is helpful. So was the other stuff that you were doing with Summer Soul working um, before the events happened and towards the beginning? Was was, was, was that where you realised, okay, this is where the traction's going to be? Or was it really something where you couldn't do events that you realised that? I think it was the audience that was growing at like quite a nice, consistent rate like at the time when it first started it was mainly on instagram um and the audience was growing fairly quickly and it was like when i learned that a lot of the audience were artists um and that a lot of the artists were like saying really positive things about the stuff we were sharing um or like sharing the stuff themselves like i could see that it was resonating and that was when it was quite clear that like longer term the best way for me to help as many artists as possible is to keep growing this audience. At the time, I didn't know that was going to then be like a subscription, um, like community. I just knew that like bringing as many independent artists into this thing, um, and providing them with as much value as I can, like consistently, that would be the best way for me to, like, and helping artists became very much just like the number one thing, like the main thing. So for the events, for example, I was like, this is good and it's great for like the community side of things and it's fun. Um, but it's not ticking the box as much for me in terms of like helping and supporting independent artists um, as other things. So, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's obviously important to you. Where, where's the value? I mm. think, you know, events can bring a lot of value depending on, on what they are. But I think with with what you were doing, you quickly found that actually that wasn't the best way that you could do your mission. You could yeah. Say yeah, it was yeah. Just to help independent artists. It's, it's such a great thing you're doing. So, look, why... Why why help independent artists? What's what's the problem? I, on its most basic level, I feel indebted to anyone who puts out music. Like, at its most basic level, I just think, like, it's so taken for granted, especially now more than ever, I think. Um, like, people just happy to pay their, like, nine ninety nine a month subscription and just stream all the music in the world and not even think about the artists on the other end of that music. So, yeah, and it's most basic level. I'm just so, so indebted to artists because, I mean, yeah, I'm sure I speak for so many people, but music has just done, like, everything for me. I can't imagine a life without music. It's always been, like, constant in my life. And, yeah, if I can give back something, that is just... I guess I just feel... I just always felt very, very driven ever since like learning about the sort of injustices in the music industry um it's just been sort of like a yeah just a burning drive to try and help out as much as i can and it was like an easy thing at the time because i worked um nine to five digital marketing so i had all this marketing 
knowledge and um, I'd like spent millions of pounds on Facebook ads for clients and all this sort of stuff. So I'd learned tons of stuff about social media and that was such an easy, okay, how can I help these artists? Okay, first book call, I can easily just start sharing like marketing tips and advice. And then the more I learned about the industry side of things, that started getting sort of woven in as well. Um, but yeah, I just think there's a lack of, I just think there's a lack of, a lack of support for independent artists or there is support, but it's like these big old fashioned bodies that often artists don't even know exist or would know how to access. Um, or there is more accessible stuff, but it's expensive and it's just like music marketing gurus who ultimately just want to sell as much of their like course or program or whatever it is. And a lot of the advice is really not good. It seems to me that any like, it's either old fashioned, not accessible, or it's new and accessible, but it's just generally quite bad advice. It's all focused on, because it is new, they're all focused on like churning out as many releases as possible, like treating streaming platforms as if they're like algorithms and all this like 24 seven, like hustle grind mentality. And like, oh, if you're not in the studio all the time, like, and just stuff that doesn't really resonate with me. And I certainly know it doesn't resonate with the kind of artists that are in the somewhere soul community. Um, so it just felt like there was a need for a, I guess, uh, like a, I just wanted to combine like useful, actionable marketing and industry advice with just like some compassion, I guess, which I didn't really see anywhere. Just like an understanding of how difficult the creative process is and like how shit it is that they do have to be posting on like social media and that that does suck rather than just being like, you need to post every day because that's what the algorithm wants. Mm. Being like, yes, the more you post, the better for the algorithm, but like, let's find a healthy balance for you because you're not a content creator at the end of the day. I mean, you have that on your um, on your webpage about artistry over algorithms. Mm. So that is, you know, yeah. you know, algorithms right now, especially with Instagram, they're constantly changing and it's difficult because you're right, there, there is that generic advice that you have to post all the time and you have to do certain things. But I think actually marketing or the way you're looking at it is, is quite an intricate thing. It's, it's, it's individual. It's, it's a personal thing that you have to find out what works for you and what works for your audience. And um, so how's the experience has been when you're working with an artist? You have a process to, to finding out how, how they best to market themselves. Yeah, it's a real case by case situation. Um, and obviously it goes without saying that every artist is obviously completely unique, like depending on their sound and depending on how. Because some artists you speak to and they're, they're happy to churn out posts and they can do that. They've got that in the bag. No problem. So it's like, OK, that's great. Other artists they don't even want to be on the platforms at all. Um, so it is just really about finding out like what they're doing at the moment, where they want to get to, like through either their music or like socials. Um, and just, yeah, just creating something like completely bespoke and just like say it's like a social media strategy just starting off at the minimum and building from there. Um, I think a lot of artists get like a burst of energy for like socials and they'll post consistently for like seven days and then and then sort of like disappear again for a bit um so it's just about creating i always try and get artists to create like a long-term sustainable strategy that doesn't feel overwhelming like doesn't make them feel like a full-time content creator um 
and content, obvious... content takes time. Oh, <laughs> yeah, massive, massively. Um, it's a real drain, and yeah, and you've just got to you've got to find you've got to well you've got to try and find ways of enjoying it and making it fun and seeing it as like a extension of your creativity rather than like oh i haven't done my post for the day um you're getting dragged down into like the numbers of it all and stuff rather than like oh that's a fun thing to post like yeah you got to really strike the balance between trying to grow an audience and get your music to new ears but also like enjoying it because at the end of the day if it's not enjoyable it's never sustainable um mm. I mean, content has the opportunity to be very enjoyable and you can really create some personalized content, which I think you, you do in your channel really well. H how do you keep up with all the channels? Because obviously there's lots of changes happening across different platforms. Obviously working in digital marketing, it's kind of your job to know where the trends are going and, and that's part of your secret sauce, isn't it? Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. I know I definitely go through it with like bursts of inspiration and energy and stuff especially with Instagram because I've fallen out of love with Instagram um, a lot more and I'm enjoying TikTok a lot more at the moment because TikTok feels a lot more, um, I guess, sort of free and a lot more, a lot lo a lot looser. So I've been enjoying posting on TikTok a lot more and I think that's partly due to like a knowing I have like a audience on Instagram where I sort of know a lot of that audience. It's being like over precious about what I do put out there. Whereas TikTok, because like 90% of people that see your stuff just complete strangers. It's quite sort of liberating in a way just to chuck posts out there and experiment and be a lot more free and creative with it. So I've been enjoying TikTok a lot more. Um, but then obviously that's a whole new platform. So it makes, makes staying consistent on both platforms much harder. But yeah, you just got to try, try and stick with it really. Like every now and then I'll go through like a little rebrand or come up with a new like content strategy just to sort of hit that like refresh button really i think that's quite important um and also just sometimes i will just take a break and just sort of gather my thoughts to do with it um because yeah that's the, i think that's so so crucial sometimes it's just a I'm, i mean i'm guessing I'm, sh I'm sure it's the same with artists with their music sometimes sometimes you do just need to have a bit of space from what you're doing and then and then come back to it yeah, I think it's when it's your own project, you become quite obsessed with it. Mm. Like I've definitely been guilty of that, and I'm definitely learning to control those thoughts a little bit more because it can be a bit impulsive and a bit um, very distracting. It can affect your sleep, it can affect your mood, it can affect your presence, and actually that can take the enjoyment out of it. So to stay consistent, driven, but also enjoy it, like you said, you have to put these rituals into place. So for you... When you when you're taking your time off, do you do something completely different? Do you have like a like a process for that? Like, do you have a, a hobby or something that you just dive into? Yeah, just mainly running. Just okay. Just just go on long runs, and that's usually when like listening to I, music. No, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't actually. It's an interesting one. I yeah, I never really listen to music when I run, because um, I always get like running is just like for me it's just always been the like fuel for ideas. Most of my best ideas or changes of direction stuff. It's usually like popped up on a run. So I'll just go running loads and sort of, yeah, just think about things. I had a moment um, year, be year before last where I did some post on Instagram about, um, it was like, it was to do with Spotify wrapped and like just breaking down, down how little like stream royalties pay artists and stuff. Mm. And that went sort of like fairly viral. Um, and then based on that, I started like, posting more 
sort of industry revealer stuff like dunking on like dsps and stuff and basically following the data being like oh that got me loads of engagement and new followers i'll post more of that stuff but and then very quickly i was like this isn't i don't want to be putting out like negative stuff it didn't feel like good at all just like doing angry rant type stuff about the industry i was like this isn't actually i just realized took a step back i was like this isn't actually helpful like sure like that first post may be good to like raise awareness about certain things but i was like, i don't want to be putting out like negative like that's not what this platform feels it should be about so that was a moment where i had like a big old break and sort of rewired things um and i will still speak out speak up about stuff if it's important but um yeah it was just sort of a string of what i realized was sort of like putting out negative sort of energy and obviously the algorithms absolutely love that like <laughs> <laughs> well, bad so you're like rewarded sells, right? exactly yeah but I think that's important because it, it kind of takes a lot to, when something is working. You're like, okay, let's just go with that. But you're you're going away from what Summer Soul's all about. Mm. And actually, even the branding and the look and the color scheme and everything is it's very positive and very. It, it reminds me of joy and and it's like to celebrate. Um, so to then yeah to then change that you're going away from, from what the core of the brand is and you're just following likes and follows which i think yeah, a lot of people exactly. are guilt, like guilty of and that's something that you kind of have to think about yeah but you know it's no doubt that you've built successful platforms so like on instagram you've got 12.5 thousand followers tiktok 22.6 thousand with 263.6 thousand likes across the platform that, that those are some serious numbers there i mean yeah the tiktok is a weird one because most like i'd say most of those followers are from like probably like three posts and that's sort of like the nature of like TikTok. Like you have a few p posts that go like viral um, and then like there's your audience. Like that took like six months or something. And which is funny because someone said to me, like, oh, are you annoyed that like it took you like five, six years to grow like an Instagram audience of like 12,000 then TikTok took like six months. But it's such a different, there's such different audiences. Even though TikTok is bigger, like these are people that have followed me from seeing like one post. They don't know anything about me or what Summer Soul is about. And I see it all the time in the comments. They say they'll say stuff like, "Oh, you're an A and R. Like, you definitely don't care about independent artists and stuff like that," <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, whereas like people on, although it's a smaller audience in Instagram, it's full of people that like have followed for a while. Like they get what the brand is about. And like if I was promoting a night or an event or a workshop like they're they're people who would probably buy and come along whereas tiktok is like it's very the numbers are very like inflated in a way like the the size of the following means a lot less on on tiktok for me um certainly at the moment so it's a very different kind of platform um even though there's all those like twenty two thousand followers or whatever when you post something it never feels like it's actually going to them it always feels like it is mainly just going to new people um so but i kind of like that I, that's what i like about tiktok is the feeling that every post feels like you're just posting it to like strangers because you don't really overthink stuff but you're obviously resonating with people in some way what, what what do you think it is like what what were those viral posts and and why do you think people followed them and how did it grow so quickly i think so the main one that went viral was um i just stitched a video of this guy who's like shouting in his car about like how all the music sounds the same he goes, all oh, the music sounds the same. And then I just stitched it. And I recorded it so quickly. I was actually quite hungover. I was like so so monotone. 
I don't know whether that's part of the appeal or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> and then I'm just a green screen um, over some tracks, and I'm just like, um, listen to this song from a choir based in Cairo. Listen to the, listen to this gothic folk track. Listen to this psychedelic. Um, listen to this Turkish psychedelic funk, and it was just like music that was a little. My point was just basically, all the music doesn't sound the same. Here's some like music that's all, and yeah, that just blew up. And like 1.2 million plays, and I think they, like 10,000 of my followers probably from that one post alone. Um, but then think about how many people are actually listening to those tracks. Yeah, well, <laughs> like was, I remember that, that track, and I, I, crazy. Saw the, I saw the choir in Cairo, yeah. and I, I immediately went on to online and searched them and listened to it. So like that is that's valuable for them as well. You're actually bringing light to to these independent artists because that all was music yeah, that sound was the same. It's pop music, right? It's yeah. like the commercial music. Yeah, that that's that was a mad thing. Is that how many of those people? went over to Spotify, like, streamed the tracks. Like, I had artists sending me screenshots of their, like, streams spiking, and I was like, shit, that is mad. Like, that's the sort of thing I've, I've always wanted to happen through the blog and through Instagram to actually increase streams, but never actually happened because I'd see, like, a New Music Friday post on Instagram or a blog post, and it'd have, like, a hundred or a few thousand hits max or something. And then, like, with that one post, it's like, shit, that actually generated streams for artists and follows and stuff so that was pretty eye-opening yeah but it's what people want people want people want to listen to new music all the time but you know digging for music it's it's a skill within itself it takes time um that's what djs do is often is they find kind of weird wonderful records from around the world and present it to people and then it can build up some hype and then people can find out about it so there's a skill behind it and if you gave new music and new sounds in the space of like 30 seconds Obviously, that's really valuable to them because they can find new music and that will lead them down little rabbit holes of, mm. of other collectives and other groups. Ki- choir in Cairo, like, that's not <laughs> yeah. going to be on a lot of people's radar yeah, yeah. in London, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think I think that's really... Obviously, there is something that is really hitting the mark here with, with, with people, it's whether it's new music, marketing trends, or supporting people and how they can position themselves as artists. But I think really what what what's resonating is the fact that it's you speaking to them like I think content which is direct and a person speaking to them is something that can go viral and is something that people people like seeing other people. Mm. So how do you feel about being? Because I mean, you had one thousand one point two million people or something. Look, look at your face talking. Like how 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 does that feel as well? Because it's not I, just about the content you're doing. It's you. Yeah, I didn't mind that because I was just talking about the music so there's no i always have this thing where before i post something i sort of imagine it going viral am i I happy if this goes viral and that was yeah fine just me talking about music uh whereas i didn't follow that rule recently and i did a stitch of russ uh the rapper who's like talking he, he he said in his video um if you want to be taken seriously as an independent artist, you need to be releasing music consistently. And I just stitched it and was like, basically my point was if, you, if you're not releasing music consistently, you still deserve to be taken seriously as an artist. Like his thing just really bugged me. Like the idea that someone who hasn't released in ages would watch that video and feel like less than or feel like, oh, I'm never gonna make it or something like that. Anyway, that like got a lot of views which I wasn't expecting because stitches on TikTok don't often get that many views. Anyway, it got a lot of views. I would have worded it in so many different ways <laughs> in hindsight. Um, a lot of things I was saying people were misreading to mean, like I said, 
in my opinion, in many ways, if you do just like churn out releases, that can feel more DIY. And I meant like the release strategy. People, quite a few people t- took it to mean like the music. Anyway, uh, and then he posted it on Russ posted it on Twitter, and it was just like chaotic weekend of he's got like two million followers on Twitter. He's like, who are you gonna believe? Some loser A and R or me? <laughs> <laughs> and that was a perfect example of like me not following my own advice of like watch it back. Am I would I be happy if this goes far in that case? No. <laughs> well you bring yourself so, under some more scrutiny as well. Like, yeah, I was getting I was getting attacked. Uh-huh. But then at the same time there were people being like, Thank you for saying there was like there was like a divide of people I think who were like either Russ fans or beat makers, in which case some of his advice was probably a lot more relevant to like beat makers who can like churn out and release stuff more consistently and don't really follow the same sort of release strategy that like a I don't know, a jazz artist or a, a soul band might take or something. Um so yeah, there were big, there were big uh, learnings from it, um, and that did feel like you were saying about like when your face is behind the camera. It's quite scary when you post something and it just takes on this life, which is then completely out of your hands. Like random people posting on Twitter, other people stitching it, and it's you've got no way to justify. It's not like this. It's not a conversation. You can't come back and be like, oh, I meant by this. It's just gone, <laughs> and you have to just just sort of deal with it, um, even if people are sort of misrepresenting you or getting the wrong end of the stick um so yeah it can be a bit daunting sometimes and that was another um sort of reality check of like yeah i just need to be careful with the the industry stuff is um yeah you just gotta be careful with who you ruffle up especially on tiktok like you mentioned i mentioned harry styles the other day as well that was that was a a mistake (laughs) (laughs) so yeah lots of lots of learnings recently but on the whole quite happy to for like my face to be on the videos talking about music um yeah just got to watch it with the industry side of things because yeah people are passionate about music at the end of the day it's, it's the not, passionate it's not industry. always a bad thing i think when you open up a debate and you've got two conflicting arguments at the end of it you should people should be able to see both sides and actually see value in both sides i agree which which is funny because some people commenting being like you should delete this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, I mean, there's like, there's people agreeing and disagreeing in the comments. So surely that's just like a conversation is happening. Um, so yeah, I agree. It, 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 it's just unenjoyable. I think is the main thing. Like I should be able yeah. to do those videos. Because you're talking about masses, like a lot of people, masses like against you or yeah. with you. And it starts to, I guess it would come personal. Like, have you have you experienced kind of a lot of hate online? Like, any serious hate or any, anything? No, not really. When often when I talk about hip hop, I'll get comments being like, "Okay, white boy," and like stuff like that. <laughs> I'll get like that fairly often, or people being like, "Oh, I would have assumed you'd be talking about Jack Harlow and like yeah. that sort of stuff." Which I don't know. It's kind of funny to me. I don't really mind too much. But yeah. um, it's no, you can not... look at the funny side of it. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, no. I've not had anything bad. I mean, I just got a lot of like on that Russ one, just lots of people being like, people just say like W or L, just lots <laughs> of people being like L take. And that's, yeah. that's like mainly it really. People are pretty brief with their, uh, with their like abuse on TikTok, I find generally. Nothing too hurtful, just L. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the the industry, you have a lot of opinions on, but you, you try and not talk about it too much because you don't find that's important. Although what you are doing is supporting independents, which are, are often sidelined from bigger um, corporate industries and in, in, within music so you you want your voice to be more about them and less about 
the bigger industry, right? Yeah, I'll definitely speak up when it feels like necessary. Like I will always post about Spotify raps like once a year um, to raise awareness. And that's mainly to raise awareness for like music listeners because so many people messaged me after the first one, like not artists, but fans being like, I had no idea that stream platforms paid different amounts. Like I didn't realize that Spotify's pay per stream rate was lower than lots of other stream platforms like some of those like then switched streaming providers and stuff so i'll always post about stuff like that because Spotify, when the spotify wrapped comes out it's just such a good opportunity to jump on that and get loads of eyes on it and just inform people really i'm just trying to mainly focus actionable strategy help stuff for artists just like super sort of low level practical stuff like i don't know text like uh like tiktok headlines they can use on their next post and stuff like that and how to do this, how to do X, like a, I don't know, like how to pitch your, like pitch templates to send your music to like radio DJs, for example, stuff like that. They can actual tangible things that they can use and get results from hmm. is the main priority. And with just speaking about streaming platforms, like do, do you have, do you, are there more um, platforms coming out that, 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 they, that you think are, are good for people to check out? Is there any, anything that you kind of recommend for, for people if they want to support artists, but also listening to a lot? Of new music i mean the best the best platform not they don't see themselves well they're not a streaming platform but the best platform to support artists with is is Bandcamp at the end of the day and that's a platform that so many artists often don't even bother like uploading their music to um I love Bandcamp. it's the <laughs> best it's so good and and it's the, it's the fact that as an artist you can grow up a follower base on there and then message all of those followers when you have like a release out like streaming platforms just don't offer that. They don't offer these like tools for artists to actually help them. That would be huge for artists on Spotify if they could message all of their followers. But they can't. And then like for example, when the rap came out, Spotify allowed artists to send like a a video to all their fans thanking them. And it's like you clearly have that functionality. You just choose to use it to like promote your rap rather than let them do it throughout the year. Um, but yeah, other than Bandcamp, who do amazing things for artists, I don't know of any other sort of new streaming platforms. I just, I feel like in an ideal world, a streaming platform that would exist where you stream a song, I don't know, maximum like 10 times. And then after that, you have to buy it. Like that just feels, I don't know, that feels fair. Like, and you build up a library of those songs that you do listen to. A lot but you can sample everything like your subscription or whatever um but just the idea that you can listen to literally like an artist's entire discography for a year over and over and over again through like all your like biggest life moments and just they get peanuts for it it's just mad to me i just think if you're playing music that much you should pay for it and i know lots of people will be like that's like very um like living in the past like music's moved on like but until there's a better solution, um, yeah, that seems to be a fairer sort of system because I just don't think the streaming system at the moment works really. Like to mm. get like a, th I think it's like what's more real realistic for an artist to make a thousand pounds, they could either sell a hundred CDs for a tenner, or they'd need like three hundred and fifty thousand streams or something. It's like most artists look at that would be like, it actually feels more realistic for me to sell 100 CDs. Mm. So it's like, it's not like in line with the times. It doesn't... And obviously that's 
even then way more if they're like signed to a label or something but yeah it's just it's crazy it's just so um just doesn't feel and like obviously there's the more people like listening to an artist that's more streams but then like because that's all these new or new subscribers the pie the overall pie is like smaller so it's like in a way the the more demand there is they don't they, it's not like supply and demand when the demand goes up the like price per stream doesn't go up it can actually go down so it's like that just feels like a broken market in many ways yeah a lot of people will say you know but it's exposure but i think yeah, exposure yeah. is to a certain point some artists want exposure but artists also want to be able to do their craft for a living and be able to afford rent in london to be able to to live and do things like everyone else so that has a cost. And this is this is a debate that has been going for a long time now. There was even the um, recent Netflix series on yeah, yeah. Uh, Spotify. And that was quite interesting how each episode is from a different perspective mm. within the industry. And then it gets to the artist and you start to see, you know, wow, she's got all these streams. And then suddenly, you know, she's there, single mom trying to trying to, to make it work with her music. Although she's got millions of streams. And I have uh, some close friends as well who have loads of streams on Spotify, but yeah, they had to work kind of second jobs and, and, yeah, and yeah. pubs and stuff just to kind of get to get by, which that doesn't seem fair at all. Um, so yeah, it is a problem. But I, I think what you talk about with Bandcamp is the social aspect. Like I find in the uh, live music industry particularly, it's quite hard to know when bands you like are playing and are, are, are touring and stuff because... You know, you might see on Spotify they have 2.5 million plays, but then you go on their Instagram and there's under a thousand followers. So obviously, those numbers aren't transferring. People aren't necessarily listening and then following. Um, so how do they find out about? Um, mm. Yeah, you like, see that with albums all the time, and it like crushes me when you see an album and like the first track's got like I don't know, like a million plays, and then like the second or third track will have like a few thousand, and it's like oh, it's just. It kills me that like people are discovering this amazing, well, obviously they think it's an amazing track on a playlist, and instead of going and listening to the full album or like checking out the rest of the discography, a lot of people are just adding that track to their playlist and moving on, um, rather than just like exploring what more they have to offer. Like yeah. lots of people talk about like the gradual death of the artist, which I think is like over exaggerating, but I can see why people say that was sort of so many like mood playlists and like. Oh, what did I see? I saw something on Twitter. I saw something on Twitter which sent like chills down my spine. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was it. Someone posted a song and they were like, this song needs a TikTok. And I was just like, what? Like, the song needs a TikTok? Well, that, <laughs> I mean, a, a lot of people have also have heard talk about um, TikTok and music, how artists are now making music for TikTok mm. specifically and not actually making music for... Uh, to share it with their audience necessarily it's to, to become viral and to jump on tiktok which you know some may argue yeah but that's just how it is but yeah it does it feels a bit wrong and i think i mean i i like collecting vinyls and i think when i the process of collecting vinyl is very much like you might find an, an album you like and then you are listening to it from from the first song and then you know halfway through you flip it over and you know there's a whole process that kind of ritualizes mm. um listening to music um that kind of does get lost online um but not everyone you have to also accept not everyone wants that as a way of 
consuming music it's expensive but also sometimes you don't you don't like every tune on the album and <laughs> you just yeah, want to yeah. listen to the one song that resonates to you so it's it's a, it's a difficult one but do you think it changes art an artist's way of thinking when it comes to making an album i think it must do i think you'll get artists who will be like i'm making this album for for me um and they will write write and release an album um the same as they would any other time but naturally i guess there are probably artists who think like if i do drop an album are people going to listen to it all am, am i going to have to release every single or most of the tracks as singles and do a huge rollout which is often the case and then maybe they can be like oh maybe i should just do like a four track ep or something so yeah i mean i guess i guess it would i guess it would play on their mind um and i guess it would depend on whether they are just independent or if they have a team around them and what that team is saying as well um but yeah it must i think it must influence them some in some way if they see other albums and see that people aren't really listening to albums as much anymore but, but yeah i agree with you i love the the ritual of the the having a vinyl and listening to it through um and I think the songs you don't like as much sometimes give context to the sort of the songs you do love um, and give you sort of an overall picture. Because um, I, even I find it, if I listen to an album, let's say I just can't be bothered to go put the record on or whatever and I'm listening to an album that I've got on physical, just on a stream platform, it is difficult to press play and listen to an album through um, on a streaming platform. You just get the, the, just the, the urge to skip one or mm-hmm. like... It's nearly at the end. I'll go on to the next one. It's really, really hard. It's almost like we've all been conditioned to it now. So, yeah, I mean, I get, I get, um, I get why it happens. Hmm. I'll talk a little bit more about your your platform that you, that you've built and actually the stuff that you do offer artists. So you offer kind of workshops and um, well, I don't know. Can you explain about all all the things that you do offer them? Because obviously, you have a lot of opinions. You have a lot of knowledge on these on the matters we've just talked about. Like so, what's the kind of value you can bring to them? So, in the monthly workshops we've done in the past, there's been um, one on how to run a DIY PR campaign. Um, that's basically all around the idea of if you're not ready to pay for a PR agency or like a freelance PR, um, here's what you can do yourself: like how to pitch to press, how to pitch to radio, how to pitch to playlists, and just lots of like templates and and a lot of that was just sort of revolved around like being as human as possible um like i get pitched music all the time to somewhere soul and the main mistake that artists make is just not feeling very like huge long pitch not feeling very like human personable not like tailoring it towards like somewhere soul at all um so yeah just like stripping it back being human um and then in like instagram dms for example just not sending a pitch like uh, getting a pitch in an instagram dm feels so unnatural um so yeah just like humanizing things really um so that's a workshop i've put on a couple of times other ones have been um how to build the dream team um like how to look for like booking agents managers um lawyers things like that Mm, this month we've got one about how to grow your streams with tiktok and we've got a guest on for that one um who I've sort of watched grow his TikTok from like 2,000 to like 25,000 with a certain sort of particular strategy. So he's going to be sharing um, sharing how he's done that. 
Other ones in the pipeline are how to get your music on the radio. I've done one about a beginner's guide to Facebook ads. And then, oh yeah, how to know your release strategy. So like quite a broad range, really. Some like more social media focused and then some more um, like sort of music business focused. And um, this is all gated content. No, so I open up the workshops. Anyone can come to the workshops every month. Um, they're five pounds. Um, workshops are five pounds. Or if you pay five pounds a month for the backstage community, um, you get the workshops included as well as all the, the other stuff. Um, See, so yeah, I never wanted to gate it off completely because there might just be someone who wants to dip in and get one workshop and they're not bothered about some of the other, other workshops. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just wanted to keep it open to everyone. And the backstage community, what's that? That is, it's, what's the best way to describe it? I guess it's just like a private online community. Um, well, online and offline, I guess, but you get access to just like a whole community online where there's different channels. Um, like for example, someone asked the other day in the community, um, like how much they should pay like a remixer. For example, someone else was asking about like vinyl delivery times. Someone was asking about um, like royalty splits with a producer they're working with. So I just, the idea was what I wanted to build like a support network away from the bright lights of social media where if you're like a pre-manager pre-label artist you've got somewhere you can turn to for some support basically um whether that's me or whether it's other people in the community like there's other music industry professionals in there there's loads of artists in there um so yeah the long-term goal is that it becomes a very much a circular community where like everyone's sort of helping everyone because all artists at different stages of their um career have so much value to share um with each other based on what they've learned from pr campaigns from social media from live shows so yeah when i just got it started naturally it was just me talking a lot but now it's community's growing and it's getting to the point where sort of artists are helping out each other a lot more um, which is really cool to see yeah and it's not just focused on artists you were mentioning things like managers and booking booking agents and stuff so it's actually for for everyone involved in the industry yeah, we'll get quite, for the workshops, quite a lot of um, people who join are often like promoters or like bookers and stuff like that. Because, um, yeah, I did one about how to promote like a live show. So obviously like people from venues are interested in that as well. So yeah, it's it's often uh, yeah, a little bit broader than just the artists, which is cool. This, this talk is all about, uh, well, the talk I'm having with you is all about this online community, right? So you have built, um, it seems like a very nurturing community. So how 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 are people interacting? How is it growing? Is is that side growing as well as obviously the likes and the followers on social media? Yeah, it's funny because that's the yeah that's the backstage community growing is the thing that's most exciting for me at the moment. Um, like TikTok's growing nicely. Um, Instagram is sort of a little bit stagnant, but yeah, the backstage community is sort of steadily growing, um, and nearly at like a hundred hundred members now, which would be like a big milestone and yeah it's just really cool to see especially this year um i think I've, I've to be honest i've been quite bad at promoting it i think generally <laughs> um i i love shouting about music and love like shouting about um like all the music industry marketing education stuff but i don't enjoy like the self-promotion side of things so much especially when it's attached to like like subscribe by this like i don't know i'm sure lots of people yeah, I mean, can work in digital marketing right? <laughs> calls to action yeah exactly like, uh, yeah i mean i had a conversation yeah. even earlier today 
being like, oh, okay, we've just finished our event. Should we should we send the uh, ticket link on the next one and like straight away try and get it moving? And then, you know, the more I th- thought about it, I was like, wow, that's just the conditioning from, you know, working in marketing and hearing this kind of corporate strategy of how to do it. Whereas actually, you know, that does take some of the love away. But it's also important in terms of creating this mechanism for getting people on. So it's how yeah. you can do it in a... Yeah, try, nice try and do it in like a... Way. <laughs> in a fun way and not like... Yeah, one thing I'll never do is like sort of, yeah, like um, clickbaity style headlines and sort of pressuring people into yeah. <laughs> into buying. Um, and that's one of the reasons it's £5 a month. Um, yeah, I've that's seen other, very affordable. Yeah, I've seen other communities and stuff like with some similar things and they're like 30 quid a month, 40 quid a month. And I'm just like, like an independent artist is, is really going to feel that. That's That doesn't feel like a sustainable um like amount so i just wanted to make it as cheap as possible like i've got full-time job in marketing anyway like mm-hmm. um it's more if anything like the fact i'm charging at all is more just so i can afford to like book a workshop guest or like do something like that like for the community rather than um yeah rather than like make it super profitable or anything um so yeah it's good this year it's it's, it's definitely picked up this year and the more people joining I've really noticed like the engagement getting better in in the community, like more people asking questions. Um, I think when it's quite small, there's often there's often that sort of like teething stage where no one wants to sort of speak up because they don't know what channel to post in or they don't know like they they're not seeing anyone else speaking up and often it's a bit of a domino effect. Once a few people start asking questions, people are like, oh okay, cool, like I can ask for help in here. Um, so yeah, that's been super cool to see recently. And these workshops are in person or online? Online, yeah, they're online. I did a series um, of in-person ones last summer at um, LCCM, which was cool. And it was so good to meet a lot of the people for the first time um, in the community and like grab a beer with them afterwards and stuff. So that was really cool. So I I definitely want to do more of the um, in-person stuff as well because, yeah, I never wanted it just to be an an online thing and that's the reason i set up the like london gig club side of it as well um just so that yeah i mean it's nice to meet people face to face at the end of the day rather than just liking and commenting online i mean what i found as well is um you know if you run a club night or you run uh, a normal night that's ticketed it's always nice to do kind of like little free socials or something that just kind Mm. of is about meeting people and it's about networking i've heard i've heard stories from artists who have like met another artist at like a jazz jam and then that person introduced them to and it's like really just snowballed and then uh, now this person like i live with them even or like oh they've just produced my whole ep and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. it can take like one meeting at one jazz jam and then yeah can open up like so many different uh so many different doors yeah these spaces and opportunities for that are important. It's important to curate them well so that people feel comfortable to mm. actually meet each other and, and socialize and, and connect with each other. Um, so what what kind of advice would you give to people wanting to build an online community, an online following? I think the main thing is just like being crystal clear on like your purpose. Just And when I say purpose, I don't think, I don't mean like what sort of community you or like what product you want to like sell or what sort of thing you want to make i think purpose is in like who do you want to help i think is the most important thing like who do you want to like hear you um 
And then once you know that audience, like inside out, um, just start helping. Just like start helping them in any way that you can. Um, and yeah, just be prepared to like test and like reset and take different directions as you go because it's very rare i think that you just start this and it stays the same as you as you go so it is a lot of like figuring out as you go but as long as that like intention is there the drive and the passion is there and you have that audience that you um have in mind then i think you can you can you can grow com community and consistency is is key as well um like there's so much competition um even for like the nichest things now <laughs> like there's there's a community for almost everything these days so people are i think people want to be sort of you do have to sort of win people over you do have to build up trust with people and that can take a long time um but ultimately if you believe in what you're doing um and you're patient um and you are providing like value that is valuable to people then you you can grow an audience and it's just about i think combining that with knowing you do have to jump through a few social media hoops like no matter how passion like no matter how like passionate you are and how much you want to speak to your audience if like you're posting like i don't know photos on instagram with like long captions that might not be the best way to reach like there are certain levers you do want to pull on on like social media platforms um so yeah a combination of those those things really do you need flashy equipment to get started do you think definitely not no i mean a really good example is um um a guy called elijah who yeah yeah and he's very much gone against what the like you would think the algorithm should do like but because the value is there it's such a good example of just like leading with value because he's just written them on his tablet with like a pen. <laughs> There's no like raw. Exactly. <laughs> it's just so raw. It's just the ideas. Um, and yeah, that's such a good example of just like leading with value and the community comes. Um, so yeah, he's, he's a good example for that. And you, and you talked about consistency, consistency. It's not easy because you know, you might have in your mind, okay, I'm going to have, five events and um, by the fifth event it's going to start working or you might be like okay I'm going to do somersault for one year and within one year it's going to start working but then it might not and then suddenly you're like okay you're at a crossroads and you have to start to think okay do I continue or do I stop mm. and that consistency it can pay dividends to you in different ways like it doesn't necessarily you can't it doesn't necessarily have to be like okay I've now got 10,000 followers it could be that you've now had a year's worth of consistent content and now someone's maybe approached you to help them with something or, or you know, people are finding you or something's changed. Mm. No matter how big it is, something has shifted. And I think it's important to concentrate on those wins and concentrate on what is working, but then also being a bit critical of, of what's not working and how you can maybe try and switch it. But small wins, I think, are good Like in terms of it's part of your vision is part of the road to where you're going but it's going to take a while and it's not going to happen overnight so consistency i mean for you you've been doing it for six years now and you've grown grown like how how has consistency really kind of affected you yeah so true it's like what you say it's those along the way it's not like obviously it's nice when you hit like a milestone in terms of 
I don't know, 5,000 followers. But as soon as you hit 5,000, you want 10. <laughs> it's just so... But it is. It's sort of like what you said. It's the little moments, the little wins along the way that are just like a little pat on the back to say like, yeah, like keep going. You're going in the right direction. And whether that's like an artist reaching out and like um, just saying like, oh, what you're sharing is important or an artist saying like, oh, I I was on your workshop um, and um, I just reached out and like a, a big like publication are interested. Thanks so much. Or like one artist was on a workshop, which is about like selling out your live show. And he sold out a show and was like, oh, honestly, I wouldn't have known what to do without your workshop. Like stuff like that is all just like huge, huge, just like reassurance that like what um, what I'm doing is helping like some artists. And, and that's all I need at the end of the day, like rather than any sort of like follower growth, like is that direct feedback from an artist that, this was helpful um is is all that sort of keeps me going really um but yeah the little wins like you say those little you get a little dm screenshot that put it in the wins folder and you can just remind yourself later that like yeah just keep 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 pushing basically so i want to just finish on where is somewhere soul going like what is exciting you at the moment and kind of where do you want to head I think the main thing that's exciting me at the moment is growing the backstage community um, because I've started to see glimpses of what it can be. And yeah, that's really, really exciting. Like loads of artists in there feeling like they've got support network. Um, like, and also then the like London gig clubs being able to that, that, that feed that into artists' live shows. Like that could be a massive push for like ticket sales for whatever gig that is for the month. Like, if there's a lot of people in the community, that's going to be a lot of tickets sold for them. So being able to feed that back into, like, helping artists sell tickets for their live shows excites me. Um, and then, like, putting on more events in person, sort of like you said, um, like, listening parties. I'd love to, like, organise more, like, listening parties for artists with their releases. Um, so sort of, like, in-person, a little bit of podcasty, talk about the release, hear the release. Um, spoke to some artists about that, um, which would be cool. Um and then, yeah, just excited to share loads of... Uh, TikTok at the moment, I'm mainly just using to, to share new music. Um, and that's really been helping me to sustain digging for music, like, every day. Um, since being on TikTok, I've actually been discovering way more music, um, which has been great. So just excited to, yeah, keep on listening to new, new music. It's really cool that there seems to be a thirst for less common, like, genres of music on there. Um, so that's exciting. And then, yeah, potentially one day, um, the sort of, there's always been like the idea of a record label, like, I don't know when, um, it's not the main project at the moment, but that would be a nice, and I've got friends who, I've got a friend who runs a record label. So I know it's not like the sort of thing I can just like wander into. I know it's, it's, a, it's a lot. So it will maybe be at a stage where the community is sort of where I want it to be. And then that'll be like a, a sort of a new project. Mm. So you can always like partner with people that have kind of done it as well. And you can obviously bring a lot to the table, but they can also help with the operations side mm. of things. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. Think, like you must've built a, a strong network of artists and people. So yeah. 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 That, that excites me as well. Um, and then, yeah, maybe I would love, I would love to get back into DJ more as well. I've always loved it so much, but just, just time and energy and yeah that'd be nice um 
What, what kind of stuff do you love to spin? Um, either like if it's like a bar, like playing like old school hip hop, neo soul and jazz sort of stuff, or in a club, like yeah, playing like Afrobeat, like disco stuff, like yeah, anything like vibrant, groove heavy, and dance friendly is is fun on a night out. Sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I can book yeah. you for a Cuda Collective show. Love that. Oh, we'd love to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the first episode of Cuda Talked where um just trying to get some feedback from people in the industry and hear about their story and their journey. And you've built an amazing thing. And I'm very glad that you were able to kind of give your time to today. So really, really appreciate it, Josh. Appreciate Cheers. it. Yeah, and thanks for having um, me on. Yeah, I hope we can stay in contact. Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, I'd love yeah. to kind of continue to talk about this stuff. I feel like we can talk for ages. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, guys, thank you very much for tuning in and we'll be back again next month. Also want to give out a big shout out to George from Babyface Music who helped film today's podcast. So cheers, man. <laughs>